Hi, this is Carrie Ann Reed Brown, and this is Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm excited that you are joining. I have a first for today's episode, but I don't want to give it away. Her name is Janice Sutherland. Janice, welcome to the show. Thanks for Hi. being on. Thank you. All right, you hear that little British accent in there? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of one of the first. But also, Janice, tell the community of friends a little bit about who you are, island you represent, and all that good yeah. stuff. Oh, my name's Janice Sutherland, and I represent the beautiful twin island state of Antigua and Barbuda. Um, my husband and I have lived in Antigua for the past eight years. Um, I was the former CEO for one of the major telecom- telecommunications companies out here, but um, I decided to step down for that role about a year ago, and now I work independently, but um, have no intention of moving back to the UK. All our family, in fact, we don't have any family out here. Um, all our family live in the UK um, and Jamaica from my, from my husband's side. Wow. All right. So we're going to get into like, all right. So, <laughs> yes. So, so, so tell us the migration story um, from Antigua and Barbuda to the UK back to Antigua and Barbuda. Yeah. Well, I'm UK born. My, my tenuous link with the, with Antigua is my mother was born here. My mother was born here, but she left Antigua when she was three years old and then lived in St. Kitts for 10 years before migrating to the UK in her early teens. So all I've really known was living in the, was growing up born and bred in, in the UK. When I met my um, my now husband, he pretty much on our first date told me he had no intention of staying in the UK and that he planned to migrate to Jamaica. That's where the family home was. He'd built the home with his father and his family and he planned to leave the UK and uh, migrate, to the, migrate to Jamaica. And I'm like, wow, um, this is our first date. He has potential. We need to have a conversation. <laughs> Right out the gate, ambition. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so we obviously we did. He 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 gave me a timeline of twelve months, but that didn't happen because we obviously had a relationship. I we I had two previous children, so we then I said, look, I I like Jamaica, um, but if I'm honest, I never I never feel a hundred percent comfortable. Um, I like to visit, but I feel 100% comfortable that I could build a life there. So I was bringing mom back to Antigua for the first time for her 60th birthday. And I asked him to come along and see, I'd already been before myself and asked him to see Antigua. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. He actually loved it. Mm. It said it reminds him of Jamaica, but not as busy, you know, not as full on. You know, I've heard that. And actually, I, I've spoken to someone from Antigua and it's like, there's this this thing where there's I, I can't explain it and I don't want to offend anyone from Antigua but there's like a real love for a Jamaican culture there and it's like mm. there's this exactly what he said like it reminds him of Jamaica but it's not quite it's not yeah. as busy but yeah, all right yeah. that's good so yeah. you you've okay you've changed the timeline and you've changed the location to Antigua and Barbuda yes. and so how did you this how did you determine or figure out how to settle roots was there the well, concern of a job or house or well yeah i mean we we were coming backwards and forwards and um we decided to build 
we decided to build. So uh, we found a piece of land. We did the dream. We, we bought a piece of the rock. Mm. Um, well, before that, I made sure I got my citizenship because it was much easier to navigate uh, legalities if you have a passport, if you mm-hmm. have citizenship. So um, I gained citizenship um, through my through my mother, and um, we came, bought a piece of the rock. We managed to get a turnkey um, build because again, well, there were reservations because you heard a lot of stories about people returning to Jamaica, sending money home to build properties, and when they get there, there's just a pile of bricks and no home. So we were lucky enough to get a turnkey build with a company out here, with a um, company, uh, West Indies Oil, that was moving into real estate and had land and they were developing the land. And they offered us, uh, I suppose, an all-in package deal. So we knew how much it would cost us to build the house. We knew the builder. We liaised with the architect. Challenges kind of, I suppose, managing a build from a distance, 4,000 miles away. Mm -hmm. So we had a neighbor that would send us photographs and somebody would check the build was happening. We'd be coming back every three months. And then we had what I call Operation um, Family Acclimatization because it wasn't real until we decided we were actually, we said we were actually going. They could see all this activity. Um, So when we got married, we got married here in Antigua and we brought uh, our close family and friends to uh, see where we were going to where we we're going to live and see the hole in the ground what was then a hole in the ground where the house would be and basically said look if this is real this is going to happen we have a plan we have we have a we had a five-year plan which kind of got brought forward but um but we had a plan and we were moving mm. so yes <laughs> and and I mean Everything that you're saying, I've heard it. You know, the concerns. I mean, we watch enough HGTV to see the same concerns where yes, people yes. want to build and the horror stories. But you you were able to get this done. And then you kind of you kind of glanced over this this one accomplishment. You're like, yeah, the first female CEO of a telecoms <laughs> thing. I'm like, yeah, you just kind of glanced over that. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think I think when I was... um. We we knew that we would have to work because we're, 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 we weren't a reti- we're not of retirement age. As much as we'd love to retire, we didn't have that kind of money. And everything had been sunk into the house because at the time we were building, there was also the, the, the dive in the US dollar against the pound. So it cost us more again to build than we expected. So we knew we'd have to do something to keep us. So we were looking, we were looking for work. And as I said, it was much easier for me to look for work because I had the citizenship. We still had to wait for three years before we could apply for Derek, my husband's um, citizenship. So I managed to get a job with uh, the telecoms company here, with a major telecoms company here. And as a commercial manager, it was a step down for what I was doing. But then I didn't want to work as hard as I'd worked in the UK. Mm-hmm. But then I didn't know the company at the time, to be honest. Um, that was a, that 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 didn't happen. I worked just as hard, if not harder, mm-hmm. out here than I did in the UK. And I worked there for seven years, and that culminated with me being the CEO, the first female CEO in the telecoms industry for Antigua and for Montserrat. Because I managed two islands. I managed two islands. So um, so I think that also helped with the transition because for me, I could build contacts. I was able to network. I was able to, I suppose, yeah, build a network really mm-hmm. um, of people and get to know the island a lot more 
on a business level or a commercial level that you wouldn't normally do if you were just coming here as an expat maybe to live. Right, right, right. And do you mind saying the name of that telecoms company? Oh, or... D- Digicel, Digicel. Digicel. I, I yeah. worked for Digicel, the bigger, better network if they were. <laughs> yes, <on>. yes. <laughs> Um, one of the more, yeah, the, one of the more popular networks in the Caribbean. And yeah. so this is really, really exciting. You've, you, you met this ambitious Jamaican man who had yes. plans and <laughs> you, you made adjustments to those plans, but really, you know, the goal was still to go back to the region, which you did and you, yeah. you built a home and you've some you've you've really laid roots down by becoming you know working your way to become the first CEO of a telecoms company Digicel in the Caribbean now let's talk about the real stuff here and which is part of why we started having this conversation (laughs) essentially this is reverse migration that no one really talks about and so what like where do I begin with that question? <laughs> you actually, I don't know where to begin. So you tell me. I, I think, you know, the, the first things for us is that we're actually, we're still surprised at how many, I'll say UK Brits, um, English, English people there are that are black Britain, British that have decided made the same move for us, it wasn't necessary to have the, you know, we have 365 beaches. We don't, we don't really go to the beach. We, you know, it's here, but we're not on holiday when we're not on holiday. So um, for us, we're always surprised at how many sometimes we, we come across a Brit and the accent's still there and they hear the accent and you have a you have a connect, you have a connection. So we're always surprised at how many we, we, we see, see over here. We don't see many from the other. We don't see many from the US, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's much, much colder in the UK. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's good what's cold in the UK, but we don't we don't see we don't see the don't see the reverse. But um I wouldn't say I have any well, no, we don't have any regrets. I'd always said if anything was to happen, um, even though my only family here is my husband, if anything was to happen to either one of us, well, personally for me, I wouldn't return back to the UK. I've built a life here that I'm really happy with. Yes, there are drawbacks. There are there are some drawbacks. There are some drawbacks, but I think you have to have the mindset that you are not coming to, say, uh, a first world co- country. You're not coming to that. Even with the bigger islands, with Trinidad, with Jamaica, which I've had opportunity to visit all of those, there are still drawbacks to all those countries that you wouldn't find in the developed world. And I say that in air quotes, developed world. Hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, we're still dealing with some of the, whatever they consider <laughs> developed. But OK, all right. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, we have the usual things. We have power outages. Um, Antigua itself doesn't have any doesn't have any natural water. So we have con- we have I feel like a constant drought um, right now. So we capture we, ca- we have to capture water. Um, you get used simple things like different foods. Like personally, for me, there's certain things I won't buy in the supermarket because I think it's just far too inflated. So I learned to do without. Mm. I learned to eat I'm happy. I love local food. I, I grew, when I say local, I grew up on it. West Indian food. That's what we grew up on anyway. Right. And you have, so I suppose sometimes you think the locals will sometimes look at you strange because they're like, well, why have you left the UK? Because they see the, the UK as the, you know, the maybe I'd say the motherland or the land of opportunity. 
-hmm. but you've come to Antigua. Why have you come to Antigua and left that opportunity right. in the UK to come to come to this small island? And but you don't know our life. And mm -hmm. you know, for me there, there was a 160 mile commute every day. It was work, work, work. You didn't really have a social life. And it's a lot different out here for me now. Yes, yes. And then, you know, you moved back and then you had the hurricane to deal with. Yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> I don't think we actually really thought about hurricanes, to be honest. Uh, um, no, well, I say that we built the house to be hurricane proofed. We put hurricane shutters. We put hurricane shutters on. Um, we touch wood. We've never really experienced significant damage. Um, on since I've been here, um, we've we've had we've we've been through storms, and yes, it's scary. Mm -hmm. But um, we've not had, apart from trees, felled trees and stuff, and losing my mango tree, you know. So <laughs> we've not we've been fortunate enough not to be not to have been too impacted. But you do have to make sure, like we won't take for granted, like insurance, house insurance. It's expensive. But again, it's insurance. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So yeah. we will definitely pay for that and make sure we have it and medical health cover as well. You know, are you still adjusting to the difference in life? Because you, you said that there's there's still some drawbacks. Are you still adjusting to, you know, just things that you took for granted living in the UK for this many years and now you're in the Caribbean. I mean, I know you said you've adjusted to the food, which I believe like yeah. when we go to visit. So like when I go to Jamaica and I see American apple, I'm like, I didn't come to Jamaica to eat American apple yes. or whatever, <laughs> some craziness. So when it comes to the food, I think, you know, as people in the diaspora, diaspora, we, we are like, we go to Jamaica or we go back home to eat. Yeah. Home food, not American yeah. food yeah. at home. So I think yeah. that's an easier part. But like when you think of like a way of life, so, you know, and, and, and because I t it's so part of the way of my life here in New York, um, I take it for granted that I can't even pick something. But when you go back to Jamaica, you're like, wait a minute, what, what, what's, mm. what's happening? So like, are there any things that you are kind of still adjusting to um, with moving back home? No. I don't think I, I, you know, I can honestly say I am settled. I am home. This is home. Yeah. This is home for me. Um, when I when I travelled to the UK and I, and I I travelled regular every year for the first few years because I always had something to go back for, family related for the children or my mom and you know my family. Um, last year I didn't go back at all, and I'm trying not to go back this year. I don't miss. I really, apart from missing the family. Um, missing the family I don't miss anything mm. uh, I would technology is great because I can I can communicate via Skype Zoom WhatsApp calling you know that has taken away all the ex literally all the expense of international calling yes of, ha of, of having that so that from the, from the draw about that 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 respect and I think if you if you I, I see it because we because I could sometimes do a lot of tourists and the expectations of tourists are coming here and they're expecting to find what they've left. Mm. If you come with that attitude, then you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. But if you come with the attitude of, you know, I, I didn't I didn't leave one city life or one country to replicate that somewhere else with sun. I, I, you know, I'm in this all in. Mm -hmm. it, it's a much easier way for you, much easier way for you to adjust. Yeah. Um, so no, and even trying and, and the difference is sometimes is when you're here, you see it because when people come to visit you, 
they're on holiday. If they come to the UK, they're on holiday. If I go back to the UK, they class me as being home. <laughs> so the so the same courtesy, the courtesies they expect to be extended to them, you know, take you them around. It. Don't get it. You don't get it at all. And I'm like, hang on a minute. I've just traveled 4,000 miles with a four or five hour different time difference. Yeah, I'm the one that has to make all the effort to come and see you. Mm. Yeah, so no, I'm home. This is This is home. This is home. Yeah, I think you just said a lot of really key stuff where, you know, if you're deciding to move back to the Caribbean, I shouldn't be thinking, oh, I'm going, I want to take New York back with me to mm. Montego Bay. It's like, it's, 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 that shouldn't be my expectation. It never is. But, you know, when you, when you look at it, I'm going to Jamaica and I'm not, I can't reasonably expect to have all the, I don't want to say luxuries, but the things yes. that I'm accustomed to living in New York, I mean, I, I should just prepare myself that that might not be the case when I go back to Jamaica yes. or any island. Yes. Now, um, in terms of lessons, like what would you have done differently? So if anyone is considering to go back home, like what would you do differently? How would you prepare better? How would you what would you have done differently? I think what would I've done differently is um, probably would have had more money into the build, into my in, into my house. Um, in hindsight, because there's things I would have done differently. You know, sometimes because it was a turn but turnkey build, and you had a set price, you didn't, and you weren't here, you didn't see the quality of the materials that were being used. Mm -hmm. You know, so when you come back and you, and you know you probably got lopsided lights, light fittings, and but the house is built by that point. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's probably something I would have been here. I'd probably have been here during the during the during the build. Mm. Um, let me think. What else would I have done? Uh, clothes. I, I have a I have abundance of clothes that I don't wear. <laughs> Um, they're, they're, I, I, what I would say, it's a great place. For, if, it's a great place to save money because there's nothing to purchase. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's no, there's no impulse buying. You know, I've I've got over the, you know, let me go out on a Saturday morning, go to the, go to the mall and go shopping. That doesn't exist. Right. You know, if you want something, you've got to be prepared to wait two weeks to order it online, have it shipped in, you know, and deal with your broker. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. Customs. <laughs> Yes, yeah. customs. I mean, that's why I go for the broker. Yeah, I don't want to yes. deal with customs. Apart from having my barrel, I'm truly West Indian because I, I still ship a barrel. Ah. I ship a barrel from the UK of my little luxuries, something little luxuries once a year um, for things I just would, I wouldn't get here and I wouldn't get from the US. I wouldn't get from the US either. Um, but those, yeah, I, I really wouldn't say there's anything I would have done. I, I would have said I would have done differently. I would like to, I probably would like to see more family, if I'm honest. I, would have th I thought we would have seen more family visiting, but then it's a cost, it's a cost, but then it's also a cost for us to go back even more for us to go back to the UK. Yeah. Even more so than them coming here, because by the time we get there, we don't have a property anymore. So we have to find somewhere to live. Then you inconvenience somebody, you know, then you have to find a car and stuff like that. Whereas if they come here, it's, Dare I say it's like a little Airbnb? Yeah, <laughs> that's the best thing about. It. I'm sorry, but it's just like, hey. <laughs> now, um, let's talk about. You said you you left, so now you've left Digicel about a year now, and you're doing your own thing. So, what? Tell me yeah. a little bit about what you're doing, and why did you decide to leave? Uh, well, I just I, I I decided to leave because when I came out, I I, just, I was going to work for an organization for say three to four years, which turned into seven. 
um, which, which, which I thoroughly enjoyed. But then I also saw a gap, a couple of, a couple of gaps in the market for things. Um, right now, I, I executive coach. Um, so I coach female executives, uh, mainly female executives, on how to get to the C-suite level. And with the power of technology, it's great because my clients can be anywhere in the world, can be global. So um, that, re that, that really opened up an avenue. Having better internet connect connectivity here um, has opened up an avenue for me, that, for me there. We um, have a tourism business that's a bicycle base for cycling. Mm -hmm. So for tourists, we're, we're cyclists ourselves. So it's a kind of a hobby passion doesn't pay the bills, doesn't pay all the bills, but it, but it helps. And then the other piece we've started doing and getting more and more requests for now is people asking for support like, like this, asking us, how do we do it? How, how can we move? What does it look like? What do we need to know? And, you know, it's, it's the little ins and outs about which broker to use, who's safe to use, who do you need to speak to, you know, how do you get your passport how do you buy a piece of land cost effectively? Where do I go on the island to buy land and stuff like that? So we, we, we start to offer a little more advice to the diaspora that wants to come, that wants to come across. So, yeah. Yeah. And possibly offering the service where you wish you had, where someone would go look yes. on the property, make sure that the light fixtures aren't lopsided. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I had a call with a, a young girl, uh, a young woman that was moving to St. Kitts. And she wants to know what my experience, which is moved from the UK. And I said, well, this is my draw. This would be the drawback. This is what I recommend for business. Even as business, what do you want to do to set up business? If you come here thinking you're going to set the world on fire, the, the next big thing, you'd be, you could be sorely disappointed. Mm. You know, you really have to come and feel, don't just think you can rock, come in and rock up and just set this business on fire and everything's going to be all roses. Come and experience it. Don't come as a tourist. Because it's a totally different it's a totally different vibe to coming here for carnival, mm -hmm. you know, for two weeks, to coming here to live. Yeah. It's totally, totally, totally different. We're not, we're not all it, it may sound like we're all doing soaker and winding up on a street corner, but that's not how we live. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, after the soaker done, you got to go work. Yeah. <laughs> you have to live. <laughs> Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I, it's easy to be caught up in the euphoria of, you know, being on holiday and, you know, being at Carnival thinking, yeah, I yeah. want to come back and do this. I want to live here because, yeah. you know, there's some expectations that seriously need to be managed. So I'm really glad that, you know, you've taken your experiences and you're having, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, multiple streams of revenue yes. coming in. I'm truly Caribbean. <laughs> I am absolutely, truly West Indian Caribbean from the barrel to the multiple streets. Yes. <laughs> but, but I love that you're honest and saying, you know what? Yeah, I was CEO of Digicel. I left that because I wanted to do something else, but I still need to do all these other things to yeah. survive. And, you know, making it real that, like you said, it's it's not all about roses. It's not going no. to be pretty. You have to put in the work. But I want to go back to something you said with the executive um, the coach executive coaching yes. and you said yeah. you noticed a gap what are what's the gap you notice with women whether in the Caribbean or in the diaspora trying to get to the c-suite across the across the Caribbean we uh the one thing that stood out for me coming here was the level of qualification Caribbean women had 
I never had that. Le- I mean, I do now, but uh, but you know, when I was growing up, there was never that level of focus on education. I really see it here. You know, everybody has to have top marks on ev- on, on everything. But when you look at when you look at the business environment, you very rarely see. Um, women at senior level, C-suite level. I could probably count on my hands, definitely in Antigua, how many, people, how many women I know have made the C-suite level. Um, and I see that throughout the other islands in the Caribbean. It's a very patriarchal um, environment. It's very much a, it, is, it can be an old boys network. Um, you know, it's who they, you know, people traditionally employ who they know. And, you know, it's who, it's, it's not what you know necessarily. It's sometimes who you know, mm-hmm. a hell of a lot out here. And um, one of the things I found was that the women were, I want to get there, but I don't know how to do it. And how did you do it? How did you navigate? Um, Let's let's, let's say Me Too really hasn't hit here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, the Me Too, too, you know, it'd be a while before that actually permeates. We're aware of it. And yes, you know, there's conversation, but it's not as heightened as it would be in the US or the UK. From, from, from that respect. So it's really um, working with women, you know, how they can balance the two. And we again, we still have here the strong black woman narrative. You know, we do everything. Yeah. You know, you have to do everything. This is your role. You have the house, the kids, the job. You know, everything has to be perfect from the way you look, the way through to, to what you do. And it's really working with them and how they navigate that and, you know, be able to set boundaries, be able to say no, be able to make time for themselves, make time for themselves. We're no different out here than we are than, than we are in the in, in the US or the UK. Mm-hmm. You know, we just our stories just aren't heard. Yeah. And, you know, I just wrapped I just did an episode on social capital and I've had this conversation before when I've done one on, you know, I've done workshops in the New York area. And I think a lot of the struggle comes from, you know, how we were brought up and the messages we were told, like, you know, work hard, keep your head down, don't give any trouble and you will be rewarded for your hard work. Like, no, that that absolutely does not work, especially for women, because we were we were told, you know, if you start speaking up then a woman is yes. labeled you know she's too harsh or she's too yes. this yes you yes know? And, yes and as much as you try to break out of that you know you know or parents didn't intentionally mean to cement our minds down but that's kind of they had no choice that's yeah. what they yeah. were hearing exactly so trying exactly. to break exactly. free of that label of you can't be too aggressive and all you have to do do your hard work and pay your dues and when you're 50 or when you're 60 you can be ceo and it's like why can't i be ceo at in the 20s or in the 30s you know in the 40s why you have to you know wait until you're at a certain age before you you're deemed to have enough experience to be a c you know woman in the c-suites i think we struggle with a lot of that and i think the other thing is culturally you know caribbean culture a lot of the business and stuff are built around like merchant families like families yes yes yes. you know part of it is like yeah you 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 know they they have a whole family that they're going to rotate into the business so it's even that much harder for anyone outside of that and i'm not saying it's wrong because if i have a family business i'm looking to my kids to come in but no. I think it makes it harder because an island is smaller, unlike the U.S. or the yes. U.K., where you have so yeah. many more opportunities. You know, yeah. it's really that challenge of, you know, how do I get here? And 
there's a lot to be said about, you know, executive presence yes. and, um, you know, I can't even, I don't want to say holding your own, but really <laughs> having that business, you know, observe, this is this keen sense of how you communicate across yes. to yeah. be able yeah. to get yeah. what you want. I, I, yeah. I can't articulate definitely. it. No, definitely. No, I totally know. I mean, the thing is, you know, there's no merit talk. You know, people thinking there's a meritocracy when it comes to work. It Absolutely doesn't exist. Not, not. Not, for, not, for, not for women. Yeah. And if I can just make an observation as well, because one of the things you talked about, the merchant families, but when I came and I'm, you know, I'm going to when I came to Digicel, the reality was at the top at the top of the job, all the CEOs that I had seen for Digicel for Digicel were definitely were definitely male and were definitely Caucasian because they were imported because yes. it was probably easier for the organization to to import the talent they needed to do the job because the speed and the, and the, the you know, the speed they moved, they moved at. And even with the, the, the competition, it was always male again, mm -hmm. you know, because again, it's a technical field. You just didn't see women in that environment, in that environment at that level. For me, when I came into the, when I came into the organization, I already came with a level of commercial sadness because I'd operated at a senior level in the UK. So for them, they kind of hit, kind of hit a bit of a pay dirt because here is a woman who has the credentials already and she's a local. So we don't have to pay her the expat diaspora type salary, you know, that came with the, 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 the family, the kids, the private school. And that those executives at that point would have got. I was employed as a local. Mm. You know, so and so even those or even the international organizations that are coming into these to, to these to these countries um, are still bringing in the expertise. Now, I, I'm happy to say that's changed. I've seen that change over the past couple of years where Digicel, that I definitely know, took a took a stance to actually develop local talent on island that were female to head up the CEO roles. So you'll see a lot more GM, CEO type role, uh, women in the smaller, definitely in the smaller markets that I'm aware, that I know of, that I'm still in touch with mm -hmm. now managing. But that is, but that is not, that would, that, I think that took for them, you know, I don't want to talk to them, but I think they are also added up how expensive it was to bring in the bring external, in people, talent, of course. external I was, talent. I was about you, to say, just talking yeah. about it. I mean, and, I mean, I can see it even from watching HGGTV, Caribbean Life, you know, yeah. they, they, they need to get the kit. Like you said, they, the kids have to be set up. You have to pay for them to move. You, yeah. they have a budget, what they have for rent for months. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have all of these expenses, right, that you build into this compensation model for yeah. these execs that you bring in a company, they could save more on their bottom line if one, because I'm in learning and development here. So right. one, you know, it's, it's, if you look at learning and development as a um, investment, you could take the money that you, some of the money that you would allocate to bring in executives to build a very formidable um, leadership yes. development program and, and, and then build your leadership bench because you have to start. Yes. And then over time you will one save the, the overhead cost for housing and schooling because yeah. now you have the local talent, but you will also yeah. be developing, um, I don't like to say the word, but you'll you'll develop a loyal kind of workforce. They'll stay with you a little longer because yes. you've invested in their professional development. Yeah. But also yeah. you now have a talent 
pool that is much larger for you to select from. And you could also use that as an opportunity to expand into different markets, even even regionally, you know, expand into another Caribbean island. It's the culture isn't that much different. Yeah. And it's a different dynamic. It's a very much different dynamic because I saw the difference. Like, you know, I was regarded as one of us you know, because we're so proud. There's an Antiguan, there's a woman that's heading up the operation. We've always had, I always called it the PMS, the pale male and stale, mm-hmm. um, you know, he- heading, heading up, heading up the organizations. And it's a very different dynamic. And I think for me, I was, I class myself as a, lo- a local, yeah. you know, I didn't see myself as anything different. I didn't, ha- yes, I had a decent house, but I built it before I got here, yeah. but I didn't have the hat. I didn't have the pool you know, the big car, I was realistic. I guess I'll eat a mango off the tree. Yes, I've got bread. Yes, I've got bread. I grow breadfruit. I grow my own vegetables. You know, I'm one of you. Right, and it's a different level. Yeah, And you also have a keener, uh, a more keen understanding of the culture. Yes. You know, and, and that, yes. and, and that cultural <laughs> intelligence yes. helps you from a yeah. business angle, which is often missing when you import executives, Very much. you know, and, into these yeah. roles. And I've definitely seen that. I've definitely see where that's gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm really. I'm really glad that we're having this conversation because it really shows the value the diaspora, diaspora, however you pronounce it, you know, can have on their home island. You know, yes. they they could come back and I mean, look at what you're doing. It's like, fine. You, you know, you didn't think you'd be working this hard, but you've turned that experience into something valuable that you can, you know, also help women, you know, rise to the ranks of management and C-suite because we need more of that to, to build the talent pool. Um, I shouldn't want to I don't want to say build the talent pool because the talent pool is there, but it's they there. need to develop the talent pool. Yes. Um, yeah, the yeah. way to be competitive, because yeah. that is essentially the challenge that we see across the board. You know, whether you live in New York or UK or you live in the region, it's just developing the social capital. How do we network, build relationships and leverage that for when we are moving through, you know, or going to towards the C-suite? So I'm really, I'm really glad we're having this conversation. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you moved back with Derek, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing. Cause I'm like, you know, sometimes you make fun and we are like, Derek, I wonder if he's Jamaican. Cause there's some there's some names that we are like they're very Jamaican, but I'm yeah. glad that you know everything. You know I don't want to say it's perfect, but you found your footing. You know, yes, yeah, you with have to what be, you and, have, and you have to be you you have to be prepared to be flexible. Not everything's going to go. It's life. Not everything's going to go exactly yeah. as you think. Yeah. You know, and you just have to be prepared. You know, what are the what are the ups and what are the downs? What are the pros and cons? And am I prepared? To, I'm, I'm prepared to do this. And I'm like, well, yeah. Because life, be, I don't think I think life would be miserable for, in the UK. I could probably visualize what my life would be like in the UK right now, and it wouldn't be like this. I wouldn't enjoy it as much. All right. So before we wrap up, I want you to try to finish this statement, right? Yeah. So being a Caribbean woman in business is to or means, what does that mean for you? Whoa. Um, <laughs> It means um, being steadfast, 
It means knowing for knowing, knowing, knowing your worth. That's the other thing is actually being, you know, knowing what you're worth and sticking to it and only compromise if the terms are acceptable to you. Mm. And on that note, everyone, I, I am extremely happy that I've had Janice on the show. (laughs) And as I like to say at the end of the show, walk good. You've been listening to carry on friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience. We post new episodes every two weeks. And if you want to learn more, buy merchandise, or sign up for our newsletter, check out our website, carryonfriends.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at carryonfriends.com.